Thank you so much, Pastor. It's a privilege to be here. Of course, we've been here many times, and we sure appreciate here at Central Baptist, and we feel like we're at home here. That last song, What a Day That Will Be, that's a great song. It was a song we sang at my dad's funeral just a couple years ago. It was one of my dad's favorite hymns, and so I get a little choked up every time somebody sings that song, And uh, but that's all right. I'll recover, but it is good to think back on memories like that. And uh, my wife and I grew up uh, in the similar kind of homes. I grew up in Minnesota. My wife grew up in Michigan. I don't know why I married somebody from Michigan. I've regretted it ever since. But anyway, you under, understand that. But we grew up going to church all the time. You know what? I love a good church, don't you? And uh, I tell you what, it's always a blessing to come here. And, uh, of course, we come because our kids, and well, we don't care about the kids. The grandkids is the one we're interested in. But uh, we like coming here because we love this place. And uh, kind of a privilege to preach tonight. Go in your Bibles with me tonight. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 tonight. I want to preach a message <clears throat> from the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul entitled, The Cost of of caring, the cost of caring. Boy, these last couple of days have been unreal days, haven't they been? The last 48 hours or 72 hours, uh, to think back to a time like that in the history of our country, I almost got to go back to 9-11 or something before that. <clears throat> it's uh, uh, days you just don't know what is going to happen next, what the next situation is going to be. Schools and uh, colleges. We're going to have an interesting time uh, figuring out how to finish this school year. But the, it's good that in the midst of all kinds of change, all kinds of turmoil, uh, we, it's good we still have a Bible to look to. Amen? And uh, it's good that uh, even though we don't know what's going to specifically happen in the days ahead, uh, we know that uh, God is still in control and that we can trust Him. One thing that we know for sure, that regardless of what happens, uh, this old world is going to need a good Baptist church. You know that? And uh, it's going to need a church that believes in reaching people, being a help to people. And uh, certainly, uh, we can see in history many times that the darkest days were some of the best days for, for a church house. You know, they uh, maybe if we uh, have certain things taken away from us that all of us have grown accustomed to, uh, maybe a lot of people start to look to the Lord again. And uh, certainly the Lord can use that. If you look at history, even the history of revival many times are birthed out of some of the darkest hours of our churches, uh, of our nation's history. And uh, many times when all those things are taken away, people that are trusting in money or health or something like that, uh, they, they think maybe there might be something else to life. Uh, we, of course, know there is something else to life, and uh, we can trust in the Lord and we count it a privilege uh, to serve the Lord. I pastored for 36 years. I was in the Midwest, and trust me, I know the difference between the Midwest and the South. I totally get that. I didn't get it totally, but I'm totally getting it now as we live in North Carolina, where literally there's a church on every street corner. Sometimes they don't, they don't need a street corner to have a church. They just make their own roads and have been there for a long time. But uh, it is great to be in the Lord's work, and we count a blessing now, my wife and I, to be an ambassador, uh, to be training young people for the Lord's work. It's exciting work. And uh, we count it a privilege. Philippians 2, you follow with me as I read. And we're in Philippians chapter 2 this evening. I want to start reading in verse 16. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 16. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice... 
and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh to death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Let's look to the Lord in prayer to start tonight. Father, thank you for the service tonight. Thank you that we can gather. And uh, Lord, we pray that you take the word of God and we pray that you'd use it in our lives. We need your help in our life uh, in these uh, challenging days. And Lord, we thank you that we can look to you, draw strength from you. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us uh, from the word of God uh, to find direction uh, for our lives, for our ministry. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul here is writing to the church at Philippi. And the Apostle Paul, of course, this is a prison epistle. He's in prison. And uh, the theme of Philippians, we know, is joy, rejoicing. But what he's talking about is he's talking about his concern for people. We've often heard the saying that there's only two things that last forever. Number one is the Word of God, and number two are the souls of men. It's the only things that last forever. Many times in our life, we get caught up in things that don't last forever, but are much more appealing to our flesh or much more interesting to our flesh. But here the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he's trying to instruct them on what really counts, what really matters, what really is important. Boy, we can get so distracted today, can't we? Some people can get so distracted on politics, they can hardly think straight. You know that? Uh, we're just about ready to really enter into that. By the time we get to time we get to Labor Day, it'll be it'll be twenty four seven on us, won't it? And uh, it's interesting. Uh, some people can get pretty interested in sports. Of course, they're all shut down right now, and so you're going to have to somehow uh, survive on your own. But we can kind of get distracted, can't we? Sometimes in our own personal life, we can kind of get distracted and get our eyes off what is the most important thing. But here in this letter, in the second chapter, the Apostle Paul sets down to the people there at Philippi how much he cared for them, how he was concerned for them. When we say today in our modern American culture that someone is doing well, what do we mean? Well, we mean they probably have a good job, means that they're doing well uh, physically, and uh, means that it seems like health-wise everything is good. That's what we mean many times, isn't it? Someone's doing well. But what does it mean when the Bible says someone is doing well? That's a different thing then, isn't it? 
Then it kind of enters from, it changes from our physical concern to something to a real spiritual concern, a real uh, interest in their spiritual life and their spiritual walk. Uh, we can get distracted, can't we? We can think that if somebody has a job and money and a nice house, they're set, but they may not even know Christ as Savior. Or they may know Christ as Savior, but not really, really be living for Him. But that's what the Apostle Paul was all about here in Philippians 2, wasn't he? I want you to think with me this evening for a few moments about the cost of caring and the individuals that he sent for and the statements that he makes in this passage. First of all, know with me that, notice with me in verse 19 that Paul sent Timothy to the Philippians. Notice what he says in verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. The last part of verse 19 is interesting. The Apostle Paul was so concerned about how they were doing spiritually that he says that when I can find out if you're doing well, it will comfort me. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? Most of the time, and certainly today, but most of the time, we think basically about ourselves. It's hard for us to think about anything beyond ourselves and beyond our own family. But he says, I want to send Timothy so he can tell me what your state is, how you're doing. And he says, when I find out how you're doing, I'll be comforted. First of all, he sent Timothy. The Apostle Paul wasn't about 401ks, was he? He wasn't about who's going to win the World Series, if there'll be a World Series, right? He wasn't interested in the final four, March Madness. Now, that one hurt. I'll just tell you that right now. Losing that one, that one hurt. That frees up three entire weekends for me. You know what I mean? It's just like, I was still going to go to church. Don't worry about that, but you understand. And we can get all wrapped up in who's going to win the election, who's going to be in charge of the Senate, who's going to be in charge of the House, what the Supreme Court's going to do. Boy, it's easy to get that way, isn't it? But the Apostle Paul said in the last part of verse 19, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Verse 22, if you stay in that same chapter, but ye know the proof of him, speaking of Timothy, that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. So the reason I can trust him is I know he's been serving me. I know he's been faithful. And he is one that will go and he'll find out exactly what is important and he'll find out exactly what is significant and he'll get right down to the matter at hand. Somebody is saved or not. If they're living for the Lord, that's what really counts. That's what's really important. Heard of a test a long time ago, old story. Of course, all of my stories are old. But anyway, I have an old story of a guy who was training chaplains in the military. And he said, this is the simple thing I have. I said, you're on the battlefield. Somebody has been wounded. They don't have very long to live. We know, they know they're not going to live long. You just have a couple of minutes. Can you lead them to the Lord in a couple of minutes? In other words, do you know how to share the gospel in such a way that you can cut right through every situation and get right down to what really matters? Are they saved or are they lost? Do they know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? And beyond that, a person that's saved, are they really living for the Lord? Are they really making their life count for the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you see, first of all, Timothy cared and the Apostle Paul sent him to find out. Notice the Apostle Paul, he makes a statement. It's an abrupt statement in verses 20 and 21, still in Philippians chapter 2. First of all, Timothy cared, but second of all, Paul said that he had a problem finding people that were caring individuals. Do you see it there in verse 20? 
For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. That's quite a statement. This is the Apostle Paul. This isn't me or you. This is the Apostle Paul who's been on missionary journeys and seen people saved. And we often say about the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went there's either a riot or a revival. Things were happening everywhere he went, right? But he says this, I, can, I have no man like-minded. That's an amazing statement. Do you think the Apostle Paul meant it as a gentle rebuke to people? Do you think he meant to try to impact them about caring about someone other than just themselves? About reaching out? About being concerned about people? He says, I need to find someone who will care for your state. Notice what he says in verse 21. This is true in the Bible times, but it's certainly true today in the 21st century. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. It's a sad statement, isn't it? We definitely live in the selfie generation. It's a picture. It's spoken of many times of a picture. But beyond that, we are, we are in the self-generation, self-esteem, self-image, self, self-confidence. And it's all about, so many times, self. Very little is about the Lord. And here he says, first of all, he said, I sent Timothy. But second of all, I had a hard time finding somebody that I could send. He said, because I have no man like-minded. It's an amazing statement. It's an amazing statement from a veteran servant of the Lord like the Apostle Paul. Sometimes we say that some people are all negative. They see the negative. They emphasize the negative. Sometimes, on the other hand, we have people that see the positive, emphasize the positive. And sometimes, after a person's been in the ministry of the Lord's work for a long time, it, they can get kind of negative, you know. You've seen defeats and you've seen battles lost. And sometimes you can kind of get discouraged. Now, we don't think the Apostle Paul's writing here discouraged. We think we, he's writing here honestly appraising the situation. And he says, I have no man like-minded. I have no man like Timothy or no man like the Apostle Paul. I need someone to take the gospel. I need someone to care for people. Boy, that's so true today. It's, it's almost scary. How many calls we get at the college of somebody, could you send somebody that could pastor our church, potentially pastor our church? I mean, it's just day after day, week after week this goes. And we have to say, we're sorry. We just, we don't have anybody. We wish we did. Uh, people will say, I need a youth man. I need a music guy. One guy was telling me, we traveled with a singing group one weekend. I was sitting talking to the pastor before a Sunday night service. And he said, we need a music and youth guy. He said, I need him to be down, down the line, this, these things, you know. And he said, he's telling me the salary he was offering. I just about applied for the job, pastor. It's just like, I'll take it. Good night. I don't know much about music, but I can learn. I'm a fast learner. I'm not a fast learner, but I thought I could work at it, you know. But he said, I've been looking for a guy for three years. Boy, I tell you what, sometimes we can just say that the harvest field is, is gone lacking for laborers. Here the Apostle Paul says the same thing many years ago. He says, I have no man like-minded. Now we're talking in the larger sense about the ministry, but let's talk in the smaller sense about the ministry here. Your church, my church, 
a Sunday school class, uh, working with kids, bringing kids in on the bus. It's just normal everyday ministry, isn't it? Somebody's got to care, though, don't they? Somebody has to care about it. It's the Lord's work. It's the most important work there is, isn't it? Boy, I can picture in my mind's eye, can't you? Some faithful senior citizen's been faithful in some ministry, teaching some little Sunday school class somewhere, can't you? Nobody knows who that person is. That lady or that man, they just go to that Sunday school class, maybe juniors or primaries. Uh, there's got to be a reward in heaven for that, amen? amen? Just some little kids, and they just teach Sunday school every Sunday. They've been doing it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, haven't they? I tell you what, I think sometimes when we get to heaven, we're just all going to step aside for somebody like that. Amen. Nobody knew their name, but I tell you what, they touched so many lives. So many people were saved out of their class. So many people were reached out of their class. Just amazing what God can do when we have somebody that cares for people. He was just a Sunday school teacher many, many years ago. He had a little list where he prayed for everybody in his Sunday school class. And as he was praying, he said he felt like the Lord said, could you do more than pray? thought, well, I wasn't much of a soul winner. He wasn't much of one uh, to be that bold. But he said, I'm going to go visit everybody in my Sunday school class and try to witness to them. He went to see this one young man in his Sunday school class, a bunch of teenage boys. Went to see one young man. He just about didn't go in because he's working in a store. And he thought, I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt. It could be, a, you know, it could be an embarrassing scene. And so, but he went in anyway because he'd promised the Lord he'd do that. And that day, Edward Kimball walked into a shoe store in Boston and led a young man, 17 years of age, to the Lord. That man, D.L. Moody. You say, well, I'd go so winning if I could reach a D.L. Moody. But when D.L. Moody was reached, he was a 17-year-old boy with no direction in life. He was working in a shoe store. But then in his ministry, he touched two continents. You know where that all comes from? Simple Sunday school teacher. We never would have known the name of Ed Kimball except for the fact he led D.L. Moody to the Lord. But you know what he was? He was somebody that cared. He said, here's a group of kids that come to my Sunday school class. I wonder if they're saved. That's as simple as it gets, isn't it? Boy, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I love to hear the preachers. I love to hear the preaching. I love to think about big preachers I heard in the past or big meetings. But you know what? It all comes down to just somebody caring. And the Apostle Paul says something that should, should cause all of us to pause just a little bit tonight. Because it's in Scripture, so we know there's no mistake in it. But he says in verse 20, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. First of all, Timothy cared. Second of all, Paul had people, he had a difficult time finding people that would care. But notice now in verse 19, the Apostle Paul says this about himself. He says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send, Tim to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. The Apostle Paul cared. When I know your state. He was not just someone resting on his laurels. He wasn't just someone looking at his press clippings, we could say. He wasn't someone just living in the past. He was somebody living in the present, wasn't he? He said, here's someone 
And he said, I need to, I need to know how you're doing there in Philippi. I need to know how that church is going. How are the people doing? So-and-so still coming? So-and-so, they got baptized a couple months ago. Are they still coming to church? That was what it was all about, wasn't it? Then he says, fourthly this evening, Epaphroditus. He sends Epaphroditus to help and to be a blessing. Notice it starts in verse 25 of Philippians chapter 2. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that he had heard that he had been sick. It's quite a description of Epaphroditus, not a well-known character in the New Testament, but it's a, quite a verse there on Epaphroditus, his life and his ministry. It's a good checklist for each one of us to examine our own selves. At Are we at the same level the Epaphroditus? First of all, Epaphroditus was somebody that the Apostle Paul trusted. That's quite a statement, isn't it? That's quite, a, that's quite a commendation, isn't it? We know of letters of recommendation or something like that, or uh, somebody's approval system or something like that, but that's quite a statement that he made when he said, I will send Epaphroditus. But notice the first thing he says about in verse 25. He said he was my brother. He's my brother. He's somebody that was saved. He knew the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have family. We understand that. But this is talking about our spiritual family, isn't it? All of us come from different backgrounds and different situations. Uh, some may not all come from a Christian home or a Christian background. But can I tell you something? We all know a simple truth, and that is many times our spiritual family is closer than our physical family. And many times we can draw a greater blessing from being around our spiritual family than we do from our physical family. Sometimes when I go to a, to a reunion, I'm like, how did these people get in here, you know? Who are they related to? Sometimes we have name tags, and I'm like, I don't hope we're not in the same family. This is strange, you know? Sometimes that physical family can get a bit crazy, you know? that It's like you got the same last name, but I'm not sure how, you know? But I tell you what, that spiritual family, that's a blessing, isn't it? Here you are in church, we meet all the time, don't we? We get together, we're praying for others' burdens. We care about their needs. Uh, when they're not there, we are concerned about them. And it says there, he said, he was my brother. It's quite a statement. Do you see how the great apostle Paul puts Epaphroditus, someone that's hardly ever mentioned in the New Testament, on the same level that he is? He said, he's my brother. The apostle Paul doesn't say, he's the great man that wrote 13 books in the New Testament, and Epaphroditus, I don't even know who he is. But he said, he's my brother. That's quite a statement from someone like Paul, isn't it? Notice the second thing he says about him. He's my companion in labor. Isn't it interesting how in this short little passage, two times the Apostle Paul mentions the people that he knew would care about somebody were people that he had seen in service. He said it about Timothy. He said about Timothy, he talked about he has served with me in the gospel. And he says here about Epaphroditus, he was a companion in labor, in service. Oh, boy, there's, there's a lot of great things about a church. One of the greatest things about a church is to labor together for the Lord, for His work, to see people saved. Epaphroditus, he was a brother. He was a companion in labor. But number three, he said he was a fellow soldier. Fellow soldier. Now we're talking about a battle, aren't we? 
We sit here tonight in America because we've had soldiers that went before us. Amen? We never want to forget that, do we? We never want to forget the price that's been paid for our freedom in this country. Uh, we, are, we are in the greatest nation in the world, not because of our prosperity, but we're in the greatest nation in the world because we had people willing to sacrifice for freedom, willing to go to war. Oh, I tell you what, we should thank God for that. We never should have won the Revolutionary War. There's no way America should have won that. That's a miracle. God stepped in various times, but let's never forget, there were men willing to sacrifice. World War II said when they bombed Pearl Harbor, they had awakened the sleeping giant. That sleeping giant was the U.S. We weren't the most powerful nation in the world at that time, at the beginning of World War II. But by the end, I don't think there was any doubt who the most powerful nation in the world was. But I tell you what, there's something about being a soldier. May I just suggest as we sit in America tonight, in the many ways the most prosperous nation in the world, the greatest nation in the world, we sit here because of the, of the work of so many that have gone before us that sacrificed, that paid, some paid the ultimate price, some paid a tremendous price. We're sitting here because of their labor. But can I switch it over to a spiritual battlefield? Because that's what I'm always interested in. Boy, I tell you what, in the spiritual battlefield, we need more soldiers. Do you know that? We've got a few too many people are trying to be conscientious objectors in the battle of the Lord. We've got a bunch of people that have gone AWOL. I'm talking about spiritual labor. I'm not talking about the full-time ministry. I'm not talking about the I'm ministry, church, living for the Lord, serving the Lord. He said he was a fellow soldier. Uh, we need some people willing to go to battle. Amen. It's a battle. Say, well, I don't like to do that part. I, it's just not my personality. Well, you can get it. You can, God can give you a different personality. It's all right. Really, you can. Amen. You know, God could teach you some things. God's good that way, isn't he? Take somebody, they maybe don't have any ability, don't have any uh, talent, but you know what? They're willing. It's amazing what God can do in those situations, isn't it? Amen. Somebody said, well, I, I don't know how to teach Sunday school. I don't know how to witness it. Well, you start trying. God will help you. Amen? Amen? Boy, I tell you what, we need some more soldiers, don't we? Amen. We really need some soldiers. We need some people willing to go to battle. Again, notice how he says it about Epaphroditus. He was, my, he was a fellow soldier. The Apostle Paul was in the battle, and he knew what it was like for Epaphroditus to be in the battle. The cost of caring. Notice it continues on in verse 25. But your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Notice it says in verse 26 now, for he longed after you all. It's quite a statement, isn't it? It's the cost of caring. It's the cost of caring. We use that word caring today, health care worker. We understand it. It applies to certain jobs, we would say it, certain fields of employment. Sometimes I'm afraid that in our church, and sometimes the longer we're in church, we have a tendency to stop caring about anybody but ourselves. The focus, instead of being outward, the focus becomes inward. And the Apostle Paul said, there's something special about caring for somebody. Who do you care for? Who are you praying for? Boy, we should have a prayer list, shouldn't we? 
The longer we the longer we've lived, the longer we've served the Lord, we should have a list of people. I have a group of uh, kids that grew up in our church in Nebraska that I pray for. I don't want to say every day, but just about every day. Because they were kids that were saved in our church, and I, I baptized all of them, but they're not living for the Lord tonight. I, I don't want to forget them. I said one time in church, I said, you'll quit on me, but I'm never going to quit on you. I said, till my dying day, I'll be praying for you to get right with God. I said, now you'll quit on me. You'll quit coming to church. You'll quit listening to me. You won't respond to me on social media. But you know what? I, I think God can still answer prayer. Amen. Amen. I don't ever want to act like, well, I'm living for the Lord. Everything's good. And I'm just going to forget all these people that aren't living for the Lord. But I, I want to care for them. I, I want to help them. But you can't help somebody unless they want help. I understand that. But I also believe that God can work in people's hearts and lives. And the cost of caring. Sometimes... Uh, an individual just get a reputation of being somebody that just has a heart for people. We would say maybe about somebody, boy, they're just good with people. Somebody else might say, I'm not very good with people. That's kind of difficult if you're in the ministry, you know. I can see if you run a machine for a job saying, I'm not good with people. I understand that. But if you're trying to be in the Lord's work, it's a little difficult to be that way, isn't it? But the cost of caring is you're exactly where the Apostle Paul is. He's in prison, and who's he talking about? The Philippians. He's in prison for what? For preaching the gospel. He doesn't have very long to live. And what's he doing? He's saying, send somebody to that church at Philippi. I want to know who was there Sunday morning. Tell me who hasn't been in church for a while. Tell me who's quit coming. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? You think the Apostle Paul, by the end of his life, he could just kind of rest on his laurels. But he refused to rest on his laurels. He wanted to keep going forward for, for the Lord. He wanted to keep pressing onward. He wanted to just keep going forward for the Lord. Stories told of old Bob Jones Sr., last couple years of his life, old war horse, horse preacher, the last couple years of his life, he was physically unable to preach. And they used to say every time he walked in his room the last couple of years, he always would say, get my shoes, it's time to go preaching. I like that, you know? Amen. In other words, they, they couldn't let him behind the pulpit. They didn't know what he was going to say next. But what his heart was, let's go preaching. They said he led to the file cabinet in the corner to the Lord three times while he was in there. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of him at all. I'm just saying his heart bled for the work of God. Amen. When... Because of age and things, he just couldn't do it, but his heart was still there. I like that, don't you? I like somebody with their last breath. It's like, this is what I'm all about. I'm all about seeing people saved. I'm all about reaching people. A couple of years before he passed away, there was a preacher boy out of there who had started a church, and he had a beautiful building, and he wanted Bob Jones Sr. to come to his building dedication. And the family said, no, we just can't, we can't allow him to preach. Uh, you know, he, he could repeat himself five times in the same, we just, it's just not best. And he said, well, could Bob Jones Sr. come and pray? Pray the dedication prayer. He said, it, it mean the world to me. 
He said, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in the ministry if it wasn't for him. And they said, sure, that'd be fine. So he gets up there and he gives this like five-minute introduction for Bob Jones Sr. to come and pray. And when Bob Jones Sr. comes to the platform, he preached 45 minutes without a note. Never repeated himself one time. Preached the house down. And he said, I don't know, this young guy's going to come and pray or something. I don't know what he's going to do. He went and sat down. I tell you what, I like it. You know what I mean? I like it. I like somebody that was all about what it's really all about. The Apostle Paul. The cost of caring. It will cost you. Sometimes we just don't want to pay it. But it will cost. But it's exciting to be in the Lord's work. Because we're in something that lasts. We're in something that counts. We're in something that makes a difference. And the Apostle Paul said, I have no man like-minded. That's an amazing statement. And so we have to ask ourselves tonight, am I willing to pay the cost 